Hello and welcome to Let's Talk SOC, a podcast series brought to you by SecureWorks, a leader in cybersecurity, focused on empowering security and IT teams worldwide to better prevent, detect and respond to cyber threats. I'm Professor Sally Eves, your host. Hey everyone, a warm welcome to our latest episode, all focusing in on incident response. And I'm delighted to be joined today by Kevin Strickland, who is Director for North America Emergency Incident Response. Welcome, Kevin. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Absolute pleasure. And brings me back, back to my background, actually, in change management, problem management and incident as well. So lovely to be drilling into this. So for our viewers and watchers who may not be fully aware, could you unpack a little bit exactly what incident response really means? A great question. I think we actually conflate into response a little bit with a couple of different things. So here at SecureWorks, we do a lot more of what we call incident management, which is a component of, of incident response. So incident response, most people think of that as just kind of driving to the solution or the root cause of an incident and the incident being you know, an adverse effect in the environment. And it's, it's really much more than that. It's a management of the entire incident itself, which includes things like doing the root cause analysis, figuring out how a system was either infected with malware or how it was compromised or how a threat actor got into the environment. But there's more to it than that. There's managing of assigning out tasks, you know, having someone make sure we're taking the appropriate notes, someone taking the time to figure out lessons learned when the incident's all said and done, how do we make sure we follow up and make sure it doesn't happen again? Is there any sort of communication that needs to go out? Is that communication internal? Is it external? Are there notifications? Are we under any laws or regulations that say that we need to inform any customers of this? So when we talk about incident response, we talk about a more of a holistic incident management perspective than just simply what I think a lot of folks kind of dig down to, which is just responding to how something got infected or compromised from that perspective. It's a much, much more holistic approach. So you know, all the way through from things like ransomware to, say, business email compromise, cyber extortion, different insider threats, also averse persistent threats, I would imagine, as well. So it's that whole range that's in scope, isn't it? And through that process, I'm sure with yourself, but also Secure Works more generally as well, so much learning is taking place through managing these types of different engagements. Can we share a little bit more about that for the audience too? You know, some of the stories of things that you've been involved in and when you've seen kind of the need for more detailed protection and response, you know, going beyond MFA, for example. So there's kind of three things that I'm going to present as a high-level overview. One of the first things that we noticed in a lot of these occasions is that there isn't a proper service overhead going on. So look, who's managing the alerts? Who's watching the alerts? Is it an internal security operations center or is it an external partner? And what is the extent of what that partner is doing? We were working on an engagement just this past week, actually. And as we were doing the analysis, we found that the threat actor got in there and was able to compromise a public-facing system, exploit it, and then deploy ransomware all less than four hours. And so as we were doing the analysis, we actually come to find out that there were several alerts that were being triggered off. But the question was, okay, you all were notified, but who was looking at the alerts? The customer wasn't quite sure of who was doing it, if they were supposed to be doing it, or was it a third party that was doing it? There was a lot of confusion. One thing we always want to focus on is, you know, have a good... MDR service, managed detection response service on top of it and understand exactly what they're looking at, what data is being fed to them and what capabilities you give them to respond for you. Because that four-hour time frame from infection to ransomware deployment is quite fast. The second one we'll talk about is visibility gaps. What systems do you have? What tools do you have? Do you have EDR, which is endpoint detection response? What firewalls do you have? Are they all integrated to a single pane of glass that we can see? The answer is always yes, yes, yes. Then you dig into it and find out, nope, we didn't have visibility of this environment over here, or we didn't know about this account over there, or we didn't have it all in one system. It's in six separate systems, as an example. So one thing we really focus on, or one of the lessons that we have is visibility and having it all in one spot, having it in a central location, 
making sure that the tools are deployed as widely as we can and implemented correctly. The third one is improper security controls. You mentioned MFA, for example. A lot of the instances that we work on for business email compromise do have MFA or multi-factor authentication in place. But what we find is it's not implemented correctly. As an example, what we see is we'll have just push notifications. So a push notification is you enter your credentials, your username and password. You'll get a request on your phone to either answer it and hit a number or you'll get a text message and you just say, yes, this is, this is me. Well, if the threat actually just gets your credentials, your username and password, it's relatively easy to send you that push notification or to answer a phone call. And, you know, two o'clock in the morning, you're going to be sitting there like, yeah, 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 I got it. If you want to configure that correctly and have something much better than just push notifications, as an example, I would say those are the top three lessons learned that we have from engagements. Great story there. A time gap from infection to the four hours, so to speak, of four hours. I mean, it really brings to the fore the impact here and also just divide it into those kind of three pillars. I like to call it really makes it accessible too. I also think just thinking about what you were saying there about the types of challenges in instant response, I think it echoes what we're seeing kind of in technology more broadly as well around kind of mm. integration and visibility, their role, responsibility, and accountability, and also the ecosystem coming together and sharing about these types of threats as well, working together more collaboratively as well. Really, really interesting. And I know we can't go into specifics around certain customers, but drawing back on that example, the four hours one, I wonder if you've got any other stories as well that brings to life the power of incident management done right or incident response done right, but also where things go wrong. Something really memorable about engagement like that that we can all learn from. Yeah, I mean, we work a lot of engagements, you know, from the Secure Exchange Response Team, you over a thousand each, each year. And this is actually, I think, moving into my ninth year at, at SecureWorks. So you've been involved sort of in a couple of different ways, over 9,000 incidents in, in nine years. <laughs> various ways, give or take, don't quote me on the number. One of the things to remember is that when there is an incident, it's not a good time for anybody. It's not a good time for the customer, right? They're, they're suffering. There is an impact that most people probably don't think about. Take a bank, for example, financial institution, and they have your ransomware. Well, that's not just that business, but it's the people that are part of that business, right? I mean, we all have our money in the bank. And so think about when that goes down, can I get my money out today? I need to take out $100 to go buy food for my family or something like on those lines. Like it has a bigger impact than, than we think about. So I just want to make sure I caveat when we talk about engagements, that there is a larger impact than simply a company going down. At the same time, as practitioners, responding to an engagement is fun, right? It's detective work. We're deducing, we're trying to put the puzzle pieces together. We're trying to figure out what the third actor did. Did they change anything that they're doing? We just want to make sure that we recognize it is a struggle. There's the downside to it, but at the same time, it's an art, it's a science, it's detective work that we go through. So a couple of memorial engagement to me, there's been a couple, but one that sticks out is for that detective work where we actually were pulled into a manufacturing organization that was at a global scale and they had different sites across the globe, US, Mexico, Australia, kind of all over the place. When we got in to the environment, the FBI had actually reached out to them that they had been compromised. And we started digging into it and it wasn't just one compromise. It was four or five different compromises. There was opportunistic threat actors inside the environment. To what we mean by that is they just kind of got access and you could tell they were kind of playing around and maybe they were going to sell it. We actually found two different nation state threat actors in the environment with two different objectives, trying to steal very significant intellectual property from the environment. To be able to go to the customer like, hey, you have a bigger issue than what the FBI just told you. There's actually a lot of impact within your environment that we needed to dig into and start separating and help get you to a better place. That was a, one that sticks close to my mind in the past couple of years because it, it was a very serious implication. There was a lot going on, but there was data theft for intellectual property. There's potential for ransomware deployment to bring manufacturing plants down. 
it was just a lot going on and we were able to work together with that customer to kind of put them in a much better place and ultimately not have ransomware deployed and also limit the intellectual property that was taken. I love the fact you brought different elements to the fore then. A, the complexity, all the different bits that fall together, you know, the different flows yep. there. The non-linear elements to this as well, really interesting. But also you've given like, you've got the enterprise or the corporate impact of this, but also the personal one, the individual, the family. So it's really important to bring those two things together. And also as a side note, like the dynamism of this space and what you're dealing with, how it's ever-changing, the detective work, as you described it as. Sure. For people listening and watching now, you may be interested in this in a career. I mean, what a place to be to have the agency to make a difference in something like this as well. So you know, I do a lot around inclusion. I just want to make a shout-out because I think what you said there is really powerful to show kind of what you can be involved in and kind of the intricacy, but the art and the science involved in dealing with that, I think is a really good kind of advert for that as a career, to be completely honest with you, getting involved in really making a difference there. So thank you for sharing that too. Absolutely. And another area I'd love to drill into kind of our final part of our discussion today is for people out there at the moment, organizations of all sizes, frankly, when they're looking at this and making decisions around incident response and different providers, what would you say are some of the key considerations for them to look at to help make that informed choice? Yeah, I always kind of pick the top three, top five. There's there's three that I go to. One of them is going to be the experience level of the team, right? Kind of like you're going to get a house built, for example, or you're going to get a car built. You want really experienced people. That's the place that you're going to live, the car something that you're going to drive. You want it to be safe. You want it to be reliable. Same thing with incident response. You want to have the right experience. And what I mean by experience is actually a couple of different components. What's the skill set of the team? Are they, you know, former law enforcement, for example? How long have they been doing it? Has it been six months? Has it been 10 years? What do they specialize in? Mobile forensics. Do they do Mac forensics, Linux forensics? Do they have backgrounds in, in SQL? Do they have backgrounds in, in Microsoft Directory, for example? You want to have a, a team that has a plethora of experience in different domains of expertise across the board. Because when you get involved in an incident, it's not always just going to be Windows devices. It could be Linux, it could be Windows, it could be Mac. It could be a combination of things. You want to have a very good experience level there. One thing that we actually sought after in our practice at Secure Trans Response is having more developers and more coders bringing them into the fold because they are able to help automate to make us more efficient at finding things that stick out from the normal when we're doing some of our forensics overall. And that's kind of a different paradigm that you've seen or I've seen with other companies is kind of focusing on being able to apply machine learning to actual forensics and incident response to help get you to, to a better place. The, the second part is threat intelligence. I mean, you want to have threat intelligence as part of the incident response team. We have a great relationship with Threat Intel, which is our, we call it our threat research team, and they specialize in doing attribution and sort of the nation state coverage, but at the same time, helping us understand what the threat's actually doing, the, the TTPs, the tactics, the techniques, procedures, the behavior of the threat actor. And so when we get a new engagement, you know, and for example, we'll take a look and say, well, that's BASTA ransomware. Well, what leads to BASTA ransomware? Well, that's QuackBot malware. Well, here's exactly what QuackBot malware looks like. And so you can go to a customer and immediately, very quickly say, we know exactly what it looks like. We know exactly what we're going to look for. We know how they behave. We know how they come in. We know how they infect systems. You're much faster. You're a lot more efficient. And ultimately what that means to, to a customer is that's reduced risk for you. It means your business gets back up and running much faster to get to really what you want is a business operating efficiently and effectively. The third, which is going to be monitoring, right? Response, I kind of mentioned this earlier with the incident management piece, is your response is a part of it, finding that root cause. But what if the director hasn't been kicked out yet? Well, if you haven't uncovered all those nooks and crannies, what if you haven't seen everything so far? You want to be able to have a team that's not just your IR team, but a whole team that can actually monitor for any alerts that pop up, monitor for the threat actor coming back in. 
a good example of this is we often see third actors that might come in and they'll be there for a long time. There was a recent one where we actually saw that they've been in there since March of last year and didn't do anything until December this previous year. So March of 2022 to December 2022, wow. they actually didn't do anything. They were in there for, for that long, but they weren't doing much. But they will come back in about every 90 days. And why they're coming in every 90 days is because the password reset policies for most orgs are, are 90 days. Being able to have a monitoring team that sits there and watches for any new alerts or any reoccurrence of activity or any sort of new IOCs or indicators of compromise going out is imperative. You want to be able to have that. You want that level of comfort. Again, kind of reducing that risk and knowing that someone's there watching it instead of just you doing dead disk forensics at night, for example. You want someone to be able to watch it. So yes, you feel safe. You feel comfortable. Sort of, again, like our secure magic CR services, having someone being able to watch that for you or the customer. Now, that's really, really helpful. What a great example of like a slow bleed attack that you were talking about there, the one dated back in March. Wow. Wow, that's staggering. And I think my only final point on that as well is also look at accreditation. You know, for example, from NSA and NCSC, for example, which I know SecureWorks definitely has as well. Really important, again, for people to look at outside. And I saw your white paper as well about nine questions to ask. I thought that was excellent. Again, just helps you step by step, kind of personalize it to you and your organization where you are as well. Kevin, I could talk to you for much longer, but I know I have to <laughs> close. But thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, everyone. And thank you all for watching and listening as well. It's been another episode of Let's Talk SOC. And we'll be back soon with another feature on another aspect that's key to your cybersecurity protection and defense. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's Talk SOC is a podcast series brought to you by SecureWorks, a leader in cybersecurity, helping organizations reduce their risk, maximize their existing security investments, and fill their talent gaps. With their cloud-native security analytics platform, Tagus, they offer MDR and XDR solutions for better threat prevention, detection, and response. To learn more, visit secureworks.com.